So here's, good morning, here's my morning. Go on Reddit, and there's my mistake. There's, what, a quarter million, half a million people, very few other Buddhist groups on Reddit. So you'd think out of those quarter million to more, whatever many million, a quarter million, yeah, however many thousand, not million, there might be a better understanding. So there was some questions and I saw some really, really silly, if not abhorrent answers and views. Um, but let me talk about something that's pretty important and it actually gets to the heart of what we're working on. What is the heart of Buddhism? So the question was, do you need to believe in all this supernatural stuff? So I've been discussing this with, uh, with another... Um, practitioner who who feels it's a little bit silly. I myself never gave it any thought because I have pretty much from a very young age read source material, not really commentaries, unless it was, you know what I mean, proper commentary. I'm not going to read. Like I think one of my earliest would be um, Awakening the Buddha Within or something like that. It was like Lama Shriya Das. After that, I was reading sutras, um, the Dalai Lama, I guess, would be the closest to a living commentary person. I read some Robert Thurman stuff, but I even saw that on Reddit, too. I didn't even respond to that. Um, some people got that right about Robert Thurman's translations are a little weird, but then the recommendation for the preferred uh, translation of the Bartle Thaduel, I might actually go back and recommend the one that I would recommend having read most of them, if not all of them. But, so the question was about supernatural stuff. So, I, of course, immediately was thinking about the little joke that I made yesterday about how the Buddha chose to walk uh, to Varanasi, or um, I might be misremembering again, the brain's not working this morning, but he walked rather than flew so that he could run into Upaka. <clears throat> so you, most people would be like, ah, the Buddhists can fly. No, there is no extraordinary powers. For me, it's simply mentioned because, yes, he could just go direct and maybe arguably, what I mean is flies, like he, you know, he sees no one or nothing. But the Buddha was chuffed to be able to run into people. He was excited. That's what I take from it. So when they say no supernatural stuff, I talk about, I think about, what we talked about in the Bhagavatam duel, right? That these uh, yabyum characters that appear to you in the in the between states are are manifestations of your mind. Same as these sufferings and these fears, right? Whether you're a Madhyamakan, a Chittamatran, a Yogacaran, a Tantric practitioner, um, or even a Theravadan, right? They believe. In some of these special powers, but don't misunderstand what I've even mentioned before, that some of these fantastical stories were designed, and you've got to keep them in their, their period, were designed to capture the imagination of arguably a less educated people. Right, but definitely a people that were steeped in a Vedic tradition, a, you know, a multi-pantheistic sort of tradition. So for them, gods, superheroes, all this jazz was nothing weird. 
But what I found funny is in this Reddit group, the person that answered this question, I think fairly, mm, how important, it, but they didn't get it right at all. Like they seemed, again, like I said, with the previous um, discussion, they have obviously a deep understanding of Buddhism, but they went on and said, no, you can't separate the supernatural. And they went on and talked about reincarnation. So first, we need to be able to separate this idea of triatrimsa heavens, right? Sukhavati, this pure land that resides somewhere outside of us. If you read the sutras, you will actually get multiple references that these pure lands reside once again within ourselves, right? When we develop this equanimity of action and reflection, I like that, um, that's when we achieve this perfection, this pure land, right? Okay? But of course he says, well, reincarnation, but see, this seems to be a common fallback when they say, well, you know, I'm a Buddhist, and they fall. Like I said before, that I find myself uncomfortable sitting in the morning talking about, oh, I bow to this medicine Buddha and this, you know. It's a little bit silly because the idea is to visualize not just the medicine Buddha, but what they represent. It's in the representation, the visualization that the power comes from. It's not the existence of this entity, right? Right? I know I, my wife tells me I say right too much. I should stop doing that. So Right, right? So the problem lies not just that some people believe in these fantastical stories and these magical powers. The other problem lies with there's a whole segment of people who don't even want to talk about it. So when someone asks about, well, do I have to believe about these gods and these magics and all this jazz? Then they start talking about, well, you do have to believe, and they talk about reincarnation. That's where they fail. Because I argue that reincarnation is absolutely not a requirement. Why? Because it's cause and effect. It's karma. Karma is immediate. It is now. There is no past. There is no future. This is what's been taught. So yes, there's a lot of teaching that we're as resident karma and these latent impressions. But none of that matters. If you awaken to the truths that we are the source of our own dissatisfaction, that cause and effect is karma, karma being action, so every action has a result. If we're guided by that, we don't have to worry about reincarnation. In fact, I argue that reincarnation itself, as we were just talking about it, what well, we alluded to, that, and I'll make it a separate podcast about it's not this, it's not that, it's neither this nor that, it is both this and that, the trilemma, the four states. That's what we're talking about here, right? When the Buddha won't say whether he himself even remains, right? I did it again. Then I argue the teaching 
for example, of being born into the animal realms or any other lower realm, is not to scare us or make us think about how we can pull ourselves up from those realms. It's to remind us the blessing that is being born in the human realm. So once again, I say that reincarnation is not a mandatory belief. In fact, just as the Dalai Lama himself spoke recently, none of these beliefs matter if you believe in equanimity, that we are all one, we're all equal. And he even spoke of that in the last day or two, about oneness of all mankind and all sentient beings. If you believe in this cause and effect, this karmic um, retribution, right, good or bad, treat those imposters um, just the same. So you don't need, in fact, you don't even want to consider another life because you've been blessed with this one and the teaching is to get on with it. So no, you don't have to believe in any of this supernatural jazz. In fact, we're not supposed to, right? We have to remember to keep a lot of this teaching contextual because it was written for a different time, different period, different people. What we see is it tends to be convoluted by a West who thinks they have to apply this weird supernatural side of it rather than distill the prescription or the teachings, which is simply dependent origination, right? No, nothing exists without, you know, some sort of supportive axiom, right? Like I said, the candle flame is dependent on a source of ignition, uh, oxygen, you know, the environment it's in, that's the whole idea. Same as us, right? I mean, if you pulled all the oxygen out of a room, we no longer exist, right? I'm going to get to this in further detail when we talk about the trilemma. But the simple point is to me is I find it absolutely sad that people will get so caught up in not only this belief that they have to believe in reincarnation or any particular tenant, for that fact, because the third of these fetters are in, ta- in fact attachment to rites and rituals and ceremony. Right? And if you see reincarnation and you see yourself as being born again, that is the symptom of why we suffer. Arguably, not the ego or the desire sourced from that ego. It is actually the ego convincing us to be attached to this birth and death and rebirth cycle. So if you even consider, as the Buddha tried to tell us, if you even consider what happens after this life, well, then you've already failed. In a sense, if you get my drift. <laughs>